what is um, our community, our society are multiple different facets. And one thing I have always been interested in is seeing how they relate to one another. Anglo media, which is the mainstream media that many of us hear, but also there is Hispanic media. I myself have worked in it. Um, and we actually have a guest today who's joining us, Yasina Alvarez, who you may have heard on, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to do too much. I'll let you introduce yourself. Tell so, us where our, where our listeners might have heard you. So thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited. We did a lot of uh, talking right, be, right before we went live. So I'm really excited to talk about some of these things. Um, so my name is Yesenia Alvarez. So you guys have heard me um, in the state of Chicago and in the suburbs and online. I'm very um, active online. So um, I currently work at WOGJO, which is Wojo, um, which is the number one regional Mexican station here in um, Chicago and also the Midwest. Prior to that, I was working freelance. I call myself Rogue um, at WCEV 1450 AM. Had a great time there. And prior to that, um, between 2011 and 2013, I was at WLEY, which is actually the contender to where I'm currently at. So working a lot with Hispanic media, working a lot with the community, um, especially mainly um, Mexican, uh, the Mexican community, a lot of Puerto Ricans as well, because they identify a lot with the Mexican community. So living in the north side of Chicago, and it's just a lot of um, just cultural richness that I've been able to be around. So I'm very happy to be able to talk about that uh, today here. I just don't think that we ever dive deep enough into the community, um, what the interests are, what is really affecting people. You know, it's just more like a broad touch on the top, you know, and I just think that media needs to do a little bit of a better job. And then also as a consumer to ask more questions. Well, so hold on. So before we jump in here, I think maybe the viewers might notice a little different setting before we get into what we're going to talk about. Um, the radio station was close, and so now we're kind of in a, a different new setting. Wow. Sean, did I want to? Did I tell you how embarrassed I was that we have a professional uh, and we couldn't bring her into a radio exactly. studio? And I'm it's like, okay. can you can you meet me at my house? I'll make it a set for you. But but the how embarrassing, of, huh? But the importance of Christmas. We had a good Christmas. I don't know if we had a good Christmas, but you know, people need their time off. So as union members, we give mm -hmm. these people their time off and spend time with their families. But the show must go on. And mm -hmm. we kind of change up the setting a little bit. A more intimate setting. It's a little more intimate. Really. You know, we got the nice teacups and the glasses and all that. So it's a little more intimate. I like the decor. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just for the viewers that see a different setting, you know, for life, love, and the grind. But, uh, yeah, so let's, uh, so let's dive in a little bit about this. Uh, well, well, I, I did want to touch upon something mm -hmm. you said about just delving in and really getting at the issues. Mm -hmm. Now, in the news, we've seen CLTV has mm -hmm. it's announced it's closing down. Hoy newspaper, the Tribune is discontinuing it. And, and that obviously was a big source of information for the Hispanic community. Mm -hmm. How do you fill those voids? What happens when, when a voice is lost like that? You know what? It's really sad. It just feels like it's the end of an era. And then it kind of makes you think, well, were was my people even consuming this? Were we even um, supporting it enough? Because if we would have, you know, why isn't it still here? So it makes me, um, I ask myself those questions, like, did we do enough, you know, to, um, to really support something that was our voice, you know, something that was our resource for information, you know. But then you also think about, well, you know what, paper is going away in the in the digital time. So what else can we do? You know, so that's those were some questions that I um, asked myself. And then also when something gets shut down is like, where are we going to get our information now? And is this source of information? Is this a reputable source? Uh, and when you talk to your friends, colleagues, what what fills that void? What has the community come together to see 
where they can direct their attention going forward? Well, something that I'm happy about is that the consumer, when I say consumer, I'm talking about the person that's on their phone, the person that watches TV, the person that's on the internet, um, that's sharing these articles. Um, just in general, um, whether you be older or younger, the consumer is becoming a lot more savvy um, just because they, they are beginning to ask a lot of more questions, beginning to have more of a dialogue. So even if you were to read something, say, from the Chicago Tribune, um, you read it and then you ask questions, which is good, and then some people just automatically assume, right? So I would prefer, obviously, more of a dialogue. So that's something that I like to... Um, um, maybe more influence with my with my platform. It's like I'll read an article and it's like, hey, let's have a conversation about this. This is my experience with this. What did you think? You know, so it's always just like more starting that conversation. And my thing is always ask questions. Always ask questions. Don't just take something for what it is. Um, you you re read this article. You might watch this on the news. Source it. You know, this is not the only time that this has been published. See other things. You know, look back. That's something like do your own investigative and um, investigative work. You know, I've always thought that like my wife will tell me to do dishes and I'm always <laughs> like, but why? <laughs> yeah, this is different though. Yeah, 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 no, not, not, not. Yeah. yeah, you really got to measure it out. Yeah. Doing dishes. No, you really got to just do that. So <laughs> I, I, uh, I basically do the show here and then I sleep in the doghouse. Oh, that, that, yeah. That's how this works. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting too, because me and you, this is our first show back in a couple of weeks because we've had your incredible wife, Sarah, who's, uh, the producer and the, the co-host and the one that cracks the whip. She cracks yeah. the whip. Right? <laughs> just keeps us alive. Right. You know, I still got to do those dishes. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm really enjoying talking about how how you see the industry going. But I got to mm -hmm. ask you this, and I know we talked about this before. Mm -hmm. I I almost wonder if there's a difference in value mm -hmm. in terms of. We were talking about this this term called the Hispanic mm -hmm. discount, which and I'll explain a little to our viewers because it was something I wasn't very familiar <laughs> with. But um, a lot of Hispanic media outlets will give advertisers or advertisers will demand a lower rate because of the community they serve, which in turn management will turn around and say, we can't pay you as much to on-air talent, whether in television, radio, newspaper, because of this perceived so-called Hispanic discount which may or may not be a real phenomenon. Have you yourself had experience with this or what have you heard about it? So I came across the term, the Hispanic discount, just even a couple of weeks ago, but just the feeling around it and just the experience of it, I have felt for years, you know, ever since I started my, my career, you know, mainstream here in Chicago, it's just like, I automatically felt, you know, just having regular jobs, um, corporate America, just the way that the employee was being treated just the way how I just didn't have any rights with the hierarchy with, well, how is it that that person got that position that, you know, I was competing for when I know that I have the merits and I have been working and I have um, seniority and there's just like no one that you can turn to. There is no one that you can um, confide in because you just don't feel that there is a system. And I just feel like when I have worked at other jobs that maybe are not relevant to um, to the media, you can see more of a structure. And perhaps it's because there are not a, lo a lot of Hispanics working there. Perhaps the management um, is not they're not all Hispanic. So now working with the media, yeah, I have seen that. It's like, oh yeah, well, we're not going to do, I, I actually came across um, the situation some time ago where um, one of the uh, reporters just didn't want to, they're like, oh, you know what, why am I going to do all this work if the person that's consuming it, which is a Hispanic person, they, they don't even care about this. Like, why am I putting in all this work? You know? So I just felt like the passion wasn't there and you just felt like it's not worth it.
it's not worth it to put in a good body of work because the person that you are doing it for, because the viewer, you don't think that they really care about this. So I think it's, um, there's a lot of layers to it. And as far as pay goes, yeah, 100%, because go anywhere else and there's a structure, there is pay, there is benefits, there's insurance, there's dental, you know, you just feel protected, you feel more safety. So yeah, it's something that it's definitely talked about. It's definitely something that a lot of people have talked about and, you know, confided in me with. And yeah, it's definitely something that goes on with the Hispanics. So to touch base real quick. So how, how big is the Hispanic population in Chicago? Huge. I don't know the exact numbers, but I just know that it's huge. And it definitely is um, rising. And as far as like the buying power, I know up until uh, 2023, it's going to be to 1.5 uh, trillion. 1.5, yeah, in buying power in the U.S., so they really, and they, you know, now they do dictate the media, but really they dictate the economy. The money. Yeah. Buying power. Yeah. Entertainment industry. If you look at whoever goes to the, uh, to the movies, it's mainly Hispanics and it's ma mainly African-Americans that go and they don't just go by themselves. They go with all their kids. Yeah. And they're still having big families. Yes. You know, we're, mm -hmm. you know, I'm Irish, you know, we're, uh, you know, the average white families are only having maybe one, two kids and the. The Hispanic culture has really stayed true to having big families and continuing to grow and kind of stay involved, which is kind of a lot of people don't understand how huge it is, especially in Chicago. Mm -hmm. It is a very big um, culture. Yes. You know, one question I have, when we talk about the Hispanic market, what does that entail? And, and you know, uh, there's many different countries that, that constitute the, mm -hmm. the Hispanic population. How do you present like like mm -hmm. uh, facts that are relevant to this broad base of different people? You're, you're talking about people from Colombia to Puerto mm -hmm. Rico to Mexico. They obviously probably don't have the same interests in the, the news they consume or maybe even the sports they consume. How do you how do you find the viewers and the listening yeah. audience? Well, I think it also just depends on who um, who is hired, who it is. Um, I identify as a Mexican woman, so I know because I'm within the family and I know what my uncle cares about, where he works. He's a labor worker. He, you know, puts roofs and then my aunt, she cleans houses. So I, you know, kind of know, you know, you have to take from your from yourself, especially when you're on your personality, you have to dig in, you have to get inspired from the things that you've lived, from the things that you've seen and how we were talking off air right before um, we went live. So a lot of people don't know that there's a difference between Latino and Hispanic. And some people, um, like how you were saying, um, they got offended when you when you said Hispanic. So a lot of us don't know the difference. So Latino, so it's, you ever seen, you know, when you were in like third grade, you see like the two circles and then in the middle, there's like that gray area. That's basically what it is. There's still a lot of confusion. Yeah. <laughs> So basically, Latino includes uh, Brazil, but it does not include Spain. And then Hispanic includes Spain. So anything that is descended from the Spaniards, but does not include Brazil. So as um, I guess, as most of the people um, that I've dealt with Mexicans, so we do identify as Hispanic. And then, you know, when you get into the Puerto Ricans and Cubans, how is it that you identify? You know, you really got to think of what culturally what affects them. You know, are they are they immigrating? Um, what is their income level like? You know, what what places do they go to? What uh, how are they buying? Where, where, where do you see them? You know, that's what you really have to pay attention to people's trends. Well, speaking of trends, like like. Um when people go from being immigrants to maybe first generation, mm -hmm. does that start to affect the, the viewership or, or the listenership for, for ethnic media in terms of um, how many people are listening? Because now maybe first generation would be just as comfortable listening to the Hispanic market as they would English market media. Is, is there a change generation to generation as to what people identify to get their news? You know what? It's interesting because the ratings change and it's very interesting. You would think that with uh, first generation um, 
Mexican or Americans, basically what I would be because I was born here. Um, what I mainly listen to just um, English music and actually not, you know, I was uh, recently in a meeting with, uh, with Nielsen and we were looking at the ratings and believe it or not, older Hispanics, so maybe like my mom, my stepdad in the car, they'll listen to English music as well. So it's very interesting how they also are opening up. Maybe their their English isn't the, the most perfect. Maybe they aren't 100% fluent, but a lot of people are tuning into English um, channels, whether it be English or, I mean, whether it be TV or radio. And it's probably just be, uh, because they've been so exposed to the English language that they can understand it. Perhaps they can't speak it, but they can understand it. So I think that's really good. I think that's really good because they're expanding and they also want to know, hey, well, this is what's going in, uh, in our community. This is what the Hispanic uh, media outlets are saying. But you know what? Let's go to to see, let's go to CBS and let's see what they're talking about, which I think is very savvy. And I think that's very intelligent, something very smart to do. I absolutely agree. So within the future of kind of media and now the younger generations coming up with like social media and everything, how mm -hmm. important is the news to stay relevant in a just such a fast paced social media where everything is just, you know, glance at a minute and mm -hmm. on to the next one? How important is media and how and, and is, is media still as big as it mm -hmm. was or has it been changing? 100%. So now um, everyone has the power to... Um, spread information right so the way that media you you know with old school radio and uh television everything is going digital so you really have to it's like the older people who have been used to the older ways of doing things they have to really reevaluate where it is that they want to go and how it is that they're going to reinvent themselves that's something that i'm really happy that i came up during the time that i did because everything was moving everything was really starting with um with social media so i knew like hey this trend is going on i have to get on this and i have to get on that there was really no no learning curve right so everything is going digital and you really have to get people with that um you call it clickbait call it the um you know like the reddit or the buzzfeed you really got to get them with that one liner and then make it very um uh attractive basically and then once you get in through the article make sure it's all pure facts because that's what the, the person that's reading it wants to know we are in the information age so people just want to know the facts and people want to be able to make their own assumptions of it and people are getting i think with the younger generation especially with the kids who are like the millennials younger uh generation than the millennials they just really want to act um but I think there's also still that area where maybe the 25 to like 40 um, demographic, they like information, but they're not acting on it as much. So I think it's a balance. So it's definitely a balance where the old school, you know, radio and television and also the digital age. So, and you mentioned facts. So mm -hmm. obviously that, you know, Facebook's been a big one in the media where, you know, they, they don't want to fact check and they don't need to. Mm -hmm. and they're fighting against fact checking. Correct. So how do you get past you know, the social media where, you know, we're drowning in information, but we're starving for knowledge. Where are we at if, if everything, you know, we're getting isn't fact-checked and people don't know what's real or fake anymore? You know, yeah. how do we get past that in a social media age? And you know what's interesting? I was actually reading that uh, going into 2020 and beyond that the internet is actually going to be um, more censored. It's happened in other areas in the world. It's going to be censored. And basically, you know, Facebook is a business, you know, so if you're getting all of your, all of your information from Facebook, you're not fact checking, you're not taking your time if you really want to know what's going on with that particular article, um, with what's going on in that world, what's going on with these migrant kids that are being killed at the border, you know, due to fluid. If you don't know all the uh, information, you really got to do your own investiga investigative research as a consumer, um, especially going into 2020 and beyond, it will be getting censored. That's just something that's um, been talked about, but it hasn't been 
um, broadcast it as much because, I mean, you wouldn't like that. If that's where you get your information from, you would feel like that's a violation, you know, of, hey, this is the way that I get my information. Why are you hiding that from the public? You know, so again, you really have to get with the times. You really have to become more savvy. You definitely do have to take everything with a grain of salt and come up with your own um, conclusions. Yeah, and maybe even tune into something that brings you you know, information every week. You know, I heard about a show that does that. <laughs> <laughs> Life, Love, and the Grind, Life Saturdays, Love, 1 o'clock, yeah. with the best guests in town, by the Thank way. You. So I got to yeah. tell you, um, just, just uh, learning about how, well, first of all, here's the thing. I got to ask you, as a journalist, mm -hmm. you know, how do you feel about, uh, should I say the censorship of media mm -hmm. or, or of, the, of the internet? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you want what's accurate being out there, but uh, I'm sure you also want um, people to have the right to say what they want to say. Yeah. Where, where do you fall on this? Spectrum? You know what? I am definitely 100% um, pro human rights and then pro our rights such as um, free speech, right? And information. You know, I have that right as a human being. I need to know what's going on in my community. I need to know what's going on truly within the politics because they affect me because I'm a taxpayer. So everything affects me. So I'm in politics because I'm a taxpayer, right? So I think it's a direct violation of my human rights that there's so much censorship now that's going to go on with the internet and you can't say anything and you get blocked. And you know what? Um, Mark Zuckerberg, he has alliances with said companies and he doesn't want you talking about that and they'll block your content. You know, they'll, they'll get you off the internet. And that's really something that has been going on to some people. And that's something that's going to continue to go on. And that's, I just think that's a direct violation. I don't like the censorship. Um, unless, you know, of course you want to cause harm to other, uh, to other people when, but when you are just giving an opinion and when you have your own facts, there's no reason why you should be censored. So that's how I feel about that. And, you know, I just think that um, in order to, you know, be the resistance as a person, as a consumer, as someone who uh, pays taxes, you have to really stand up and stand up for your freedom of speech because it's happened. I, I don't know if it was Sweden or Finland where they had something similar and they have censorship. And then I don't know if you um, saw in India, they com completely cut off their Internet. They have no access to, to the Internet. And that's a direct violation of human rights. So, you know, if it happened to other places, it can definitely happen here. Really I think it is. <clears throat> and I think we see it more than ever now in the sense of, yes, yeah, censoring people. Like at the end of the day, America's the land of the free based on, mm -hmm. you know, your freedom of speech. I mean, it, you should be right to an opinion, whether it's left or right, whether I find it offensive or they mm -hmm. find what I say offensive. At the end of the day, if it's not hurting somebody, mm -hmm. it's still just your opinion. Yeah. You know, we should be right. We should have our rights to speak on our opinions, I think. Yeah, and I think that goes back to the fear um, factor that we were talking about earlier. It's like, well, you're afraid to talk about what you want to talk about because you're afraid of being censored. And I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to be censored. So we stay within this toxic cycle. And that's how you remain, how you keep people quiet. Because you're like, you know what? Just play it safe. Just don't say anything. Just leave it, whatever. Just let it be. You know, you can't change it. It's like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. If people rally up together, if people talk about it, because I'm sure that the way maybe my opinions or um, what I saw is something similar to what 15 other people saw, you know, there, there it is. So I'm not the only one. Go ahead. You were going to say something. Yeah. Well, you know what? So we talked about this on our last episode, a little bit of cancel culture mm -hmm. right? and it's really been, it's fueled by the media. Mm -hmm. It's fueled by social media and the media of this overwhelming sense of, you know, public opinion, mm -hmm. right? which is good. I mean, like you say, we're, we're Americans, we're taxpayers. I have every right to believe in what I want to believe in, but where are we going in this cancel culture where, you know, somebody makes a, a comment, someone says something wrong, and they're forced to lose their job, 
you know, come forward, you know, lose their show, lose whatever. It's like, where do we go where it's like, okay, you, you made a wrong comment, but now it's like public opinion is like overwhelmingly trying to mm -hmm. get rid of all these people. I mean, so it's like, are we free speech? Are we allowed yeah. to have opinion? Or is it just the narrative of you can have a free speech as long as it fits my narrative? And if it crosses that line, now mm -hmm. we're going to cancel you. Now you're, you're done. Yeah. And you have no, no rebuttal, no chance, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the media is kind of the fueling force behind this cancel culture that is kind of got everybody walking on, you know, eggshells because they're so afraid to come forward or so afraid to speak what they want to say. Mm -hmm. So how do we kind of get away from that? Or is it just impossible? Are we just going too far into it? I mean, I just think that, yeah, you're right. It definitely was fueled by the media and it definitely is something that's just like organized shaming. You know, you can't say anything. Now people um, are way too sensitive and it's like just another part of the agenda to eliminate free speech. And that's terrible. Absolutely not. You know, there are other places in the, in the world that, you know, you can't say certain things. You can't even think certain things because it's like, no, that, that, that's wrong. Absolutely not. You know, that's not, what we're here for. And then as long as you keep defending your free speech, you know, there's always going to be that resistance. But when you're like, okay, you know what, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. Oh my God. Just because like 50 people don't like it didn't mean that 200 people, you know, um, weren't in line with what you were saying. So, I mean, yeah, it's difficult. And I, I think it's really bad that the media wants to talk about, oh, bullying and online shaming. It's like, well, you're a part of it too. You're organizing it too. Yeah. Cause you're pushing the agenda. Yes. You're pushing that narrative out. Yes. So it's bullying, but then it's, you're adding fuel to the you're fire. Fuel, you're dumping mm -hmm. fuel all over the fire. So, you know, that's kind of a huge thing, I think, that everyone's struggling with. And, I, and they, it's a political thing, but it's really just, you know, most people aren't even political. They just see something and then they jump all over it. Mm -hmm. And then the media runs with it. And now all these people, it's like I said, it's cancel culture. Now and then people forget down. that that's harassment. And that's it another that's another right. Like if someone is harassing you, tell them, leave me alone. And then they keep harassing you. That is a direct, another violation of your human rights. And people just completely bypass that because they are offended by your, your comment or your opinion, even though you had facts and you came, you know, you have absolutely every right to feel the way that you felt because you're coming from that, um, that perspective. So again, people forget that that's harassment and another violation of your human rights. Yeah. And that's a big one. What do you think? Here's the thing, right? You're <laughs> often in an echo chamber. And this is why I love this. I, I, I love hearing the back and forth because it opens my eyes to something I hadn't thought about. Mm -hmm. Like I was listening to this and it sounds a lot like that uh, Orwellian, what's it called? Thought speak that you take away people's rights to say th certain yeah. things. And all of a sudden the community in their opinion stops thinking about it. Yeah. When, when you talk about something, you often find a need for people who want to hear it, who, who who are listening for certain truths. Even when we started this show, there were certain people who said you can't start a show pro-labor speaking about certain issues. But I think our 1,000 followers, 1,000 plus followers have proven otherwise. Yeah. There are people who have thoughts that are like, well, let's see what this alternate um, voice that's out there is speaking about. What else is out there? And I think it's important to get out of our echo chambers in general mm -hmm. and know what other thoughts are out there. Well, you got to think outside the box. And, mm -hmm. I, and I think we want to shine a light on people that do have outside perspectives and people that have outside perspectives of our own. And that's kind of how you learn and grow. And instead of just having such a narrow mindset of like, mm -hmm. okay, this is what I want to talk about. This is what I want to learn about. I think people need to kind of have an outlet to, to see different sides of things. And like you say, when, when you shut people down, now you're taking away their whole right of being in America. 
like mm-hmm. an American and America is the land of the free where you can speak your mind. But, you know, all these people love to scream America, but then yeah. don't really go by their basic principles. And you want people speak. to feel bad for opening their mouth. And that's yeah. basically bullying someone that's lowering their yeah. morale. It's like, no, you can't think that. And, you yeah. know, it's a direct violation. And it comes full circle of we are such a diverse city. I mean, in mm-hmm. Chicago, you have a huge Hispanic population, a huge Irish population, Polish, Ukrainian, Russian. They have such diversity to shut down people's thought processes and shut down their way of speaking and their ideas. Mm-hmm. How are we ever going to get to know each other? If everybody's so scared to say what they want to talk about because of being canceled or shut down, well, now we're not getting to know each other. And, you know, now our diversity is being shut down in our, you know, so it's so important. So, you know, kind of coming full circle, it is important to have media and it is important to have a voice that can kind of highlight and, and show different cultures in order for us to understand each other. Well, uh, what have you learned in your job? I'm sure um, coming in there, you've learned something about the the, the community you mm-hmm. serve, about the corporate uh, structure that dictates what mm-hmm. can be said. What's been like your biggest takeaway? And then what's also been the most fun you've had on the job? What what has been something mm-hmm. that you were like, this is cool. This is why I got into this. Okay. Well, I can definitely tell you um, just because the most, um, the fun part is definitely something that's in line with something where I still think that there is a void. So the fun part, what makes absolutely everything worth it, just because I know that I share it with my people on social media, people that have been uh, following me for a long time. And you know, it's, it's media, it's entertainment. Everybody wants to be in the business, you know? So it's very cutthroat. It's, Oh, I thought you were my friend for the past 12 years. Oops. No, I'm not. You know, you know, that's just how it is. Um, all my sacrifices, all my hard work, it really all pays off when I am out in the field or when, um, let's say one day I'm just like, whatever, I don't want to do this anymore. I hate it. I'm just going to go work at a store. I mean, I have, I have it pretty often. I have, I'm sure I've had more days than you. several times a day. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But um, it's really nice when people reach out to you, people who may not know you personally, but they hear you and they know your intentions. They know who I am as a person. They hear me through the radio. They see me through the screen and they just know that I'm here for them. I really like the community and I really want to be connected more. Um, And I just want to utilize my platform to just spread information that I think is um, important to them, empower them, let them know, hey, you know what, these are your rights. These are things that you can do. These are facilities that you can go to for help. These are resources and don't just rely on these resources. You have to get yourself out and you have to make yourself um, more accountable and then just rise up as a community, right? As far as income level, um, you know, and, and just as a community, as a family structure, right? So I really like it when people reach out to me, um, my listeners, and they just send me messages like, hey, Yesenia, um, I know you don't work until the weekend, but I'm really excited to hear to hear you because, um, you know, you make, I listen to you every day, every weekend when I'm at work and you just really make um, my day go by faster. I really like the way that you do things. I, I can hear you through the radio and I know that you have a nice personality and it's so sweet. It's so, so nice because you really feel that connection with someone and it's so heartfelt and it's so sweet. So that's what I like. And that's, I th- that's something else that I really like about the Hispanic community is that we're feelers. We're very emotional. We're emotional buyers. And we're not so much about facts, just black and white. It's more about we really buy into the person. So I, that's what I really like about them. And then um, following with that, um, the void that I think right now is in Hispanic media is that you play on people's feelings, right? So I wouldn't, I don't, you know, you can take advantage of someone's feelings like, oh, you know, they're vulnerable. So you're going to take advantage of them. I really think that you can use, um, especially right now with the political climate, you can definitely use the platform to want to empower people say, hey, you know what, you don't have to be afraid. But I really do see a lot of um, 
articles and on TV saying, hey, you know what, ICE is over here and ICE is over there. And, you know, what? just be careful and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, you're instilling more fear into these people who are already undocumented, who are already uh, traumatized. Why can't you just use your platform and say, hey, these are your rights. These are things that you can do. Don't be afraid. And I just think that there's a little bit um, more of fear being instilled into people who already feel vulnerable, people who are already emotional. Um, rather than empowerment. So that's what I think. Is this on both sides? Is this with like English media as well as mm-hmm. Spanish media? Or is it more so one or the other? Like it is, does Hispanic media do this? I think it's both. Yeah, I definitely do think it's both. I think, um, yeah, I think it's both. I've seen it on both sides, whether it be in print, whether it be in TV, uh, whether it be in radio, I just don't see as much as um, empowerment. I don't see... Um, I don't see the media saying, um, you know what, well, you can go to this place in Pilsen and there's going to be a meeting and they're going to tell you about your rights. And these are the things that you can do. And don't worry, don't be afraid. I see people being afraid to walk out their house to go to the store. That's what I see. So we had talked a little bit off air on um, kind of like just on this mm-hmm. subject of, you know, fear of the rights. And, and you say Hispanic media, why don't they get more involved? Is it because they're afraid of going after that narrative themselves? Mm-hmm. Is it more of an intimidation on the media side to maybe not want to highlight these things? Mm-hmm. Or is it maybe because it doesn't sell as much? Maybe it's not as catchy. Mm-hmm. Why, why wouldn't you, they put more of that narrative out there? I think um, I think there's layers to it. I just remember that there was um, I don't know if it was maybe about a year ago. I remember and you know in the Pilsen neighborhood it's being gentrified right now big time. Um, so I remember that they were holding meetings to go over you know what they were going to do in the Pilsen neighborhood as far as like turning you know zoning and turning this building into that. Um, they didn't promote it. They didn't promote that meeting in Pilsen, which is, you know, where all the gentrification is happening right now at a rapid raise, uh, rapid pace. Um, I think it was 18 people that showed up and it's like, Pilsen is one in of a huge Hispanic neighborhoods. Why Pilsen, wouldn't I? Yeah. Of, streets mm-hmm, yeah. And, and the meeting was actually taking place. Like it was near, uh, the blue Island, um, intersection. I, I forgot what the other one, but I know it was right there on blue Island. Um, literally like 18 people showed up. You know, and it was because there was no promotion for it. And I don't know, I think the only way, the only reason that I learned about it was because I saw it on social media. Like I didn't see the media cover it. And it's like, this is something that's important. You know, this is something that's important. This is something that sh- it should get people upset. This is something that you, you should be outraged because this is your community and you should know more about this, you know? So I don't know if it's more of like an oversight. I don't know if it's just because, you know, um, we can't blame everything on the media because they have what, 30 minutes, they have an hour, you know, they have to cover a lot of different things. It's our job as well. But going back into the fear factors, like I don't even want to go outside because I'm, I'm undocumented. I don't want ISIS uh, catch me because now I know that they're in different vehicles. Um, you know, I think it just goes back to the fear factor and then just going back to being like, you know what, just let's play it safe. I'm just going to stay under the radar. I don't want to be seen. You know what, I had a DUI not, to, not 20 years ago, whatever. Um, that's one of the reasons why I just don't feel it's um, there's so much rallying up or so much of an outrage for things like that. Um, yeah. So as a member of the media, you have to go and you have to talk to the community. You have to find out what their story is. Do you find less people actively trying to come out and tell their stories because of this fear? 100%. 100%. And then um, I, even when I worked as a, um, as a legal assistant, we were working with a lot of uh, undocumented people. And a lot of them were just wanting to get information regarding the case and didn't want to pursue the case. 
like, you know what? I'm not even going to touch it. I'm undocumented. I don't want to get um, deported. It's like, wait, but you don't even know your rights yet. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, this is what's going to happen. You know, it's just a fear. And it's like, people are only fear of the unknown. It's like, why don't you just sit here? And why don't you just wait? And we can tell you your resources. We can tell you the information. And I know that my people, they're just like, you know what? Let's just play it safe. I'm just stay quiet. I'm just going to stay inside my house. I'm not going to bother nobody. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to touch it. So no, I'm sorry. I know I was just, uh, I was asking. So the Hispanic media that's in a position to give uh, their mm-hmm. viewership this information, have, have you felt that they've done enough? Is this something that, that, mm-hmm. um, that could be proposed mm-hmm. and, and a direct a direction could change in how this goes? Or mm-hmm. is, is it just something that because of staffing levels, the economy, yeah. uh, Univision, for instance, in the middle of a sale, in the midst of mm-hmm. a sale, that this all this public service is being pushed aside. Definitely. Yeah, I think public service, I think um, community resources is definitely something more that would be on like a can TV, something that would be more on like a community channel, such like that. Because when you're looking at these bigger corporations, they mainly sell entertainment. You know, that's their job. That's where they make their money from. So perhaps community service is not something that um, appeals to everyone. You know, the same resources that someone who's undocumented is interested in is not the same thing that your 18 year old is interested in, you know, you're going to cater to the whole family. So what are you going to sell? You know, you have 30 seconds to grab them already. People's um, attention span is very short. So what's the best thing that you can sell them? Cause at the end, it's all about money. What's going to sell is public service going to sell or is entertainment going to sell? Yeah. it's a good point. So then there you go. So everything's focused on, entertainment and well it seems then that the message can be diluted by Mm -hmm. the dollars but um i'm sure you got into journalism and tell me if i'm Mm -hmm. wrong to be a public servant to get that information out there is that frustrating or Mm -hmm. do you see that as something you can rise to like Mm -hmm. like how do you see your role in the future given the climate you find yourself in now yeah so yeah that's the reason why i wanted to get into journalism just because i wanted to help people i wanted to use my um platform for the greater good i do find that people would rather see pictures of my makeup rather than knowing some resources that are available to them but it's like whatever like i'm just going to use whatever aspect you know to get you in and to reel you in and then give you some of the more information that i have to offer and yeah i just think that the public as well like they just don't want to um be as well informed they don't want to do the work it then takes work, you know, it takes sticking your neck out for people, it takes standing up, it takes going to argue at these um, meetings, you know, in your community, hey, fighting gentrification or um, anything, whatever, whatever your situation might be. I just think it's a lack of initiative. And even through my platform, like I still haven't, um, I, I don't ever give up. So I still do try to any information that I have, there's no use in having information if you're not gonna share it. Right. So anytime where there's um, some sort of resource going on, some sort of um, like, for example, they have um, free financial classes in Spanish at Chicago Public Libraries in these communities where there are um, a lot of African-Americans and a lot of Hispanics. They're free financial literacy. How much do you have to pay your accountant, you know, just to sit there for an hour? You know, these are free classes, how to do your taxes. And they do them in Spanish. They do them in your language. They do them in Polish. You know, these are free resources that people can take advantage of. Do all of them take advantage of it? Of course not. You know, and that's where, you know, I think you really have to look at that. It's like if we have this buying power of 1.5 trillion, it's going to keep growing into 2023, but you don't want to learn about financial literacy like you're not seeing it like you're spending your money, but you're also not learning about how you can make your money work for you. You know, I, I do blame my people a lot. And that's just why something that's just why every day I'm in the fight. Every day I'm in the fight. Every day I'm in the fight. But you know what? It is what it is. You can only do so much. You can only give people the information and you got to 
you know, you can only bring a horse to water. That's really all you can it's, do. Because it's funny because I feel like in, in a lot of ways, it's exactly what we deal with trying to get the younger generation to step up in the labor movement. Yeah. Is, is that yeah. the way I see it, there is a lot of apathy out there. It's mm -hmm. easier just to put it aside, hope someone else steps up mm -hmm. and not be that voice of change. Yeah. So the fact that you're out there, at least pushing your message, like you mm -hmm. said, lead them to water. If they want to take a drink or if they want to uh, starve to that, that's yeah. on them. But um, how do you find the other journalists of your generation, mm -hmm. the younger journalists who are coming up? Mm -hmm. Do they echo your your mentality? Uh, are, are there more people mm -hmm. out there who are going to get out there and, and try to do the right thing? Or, or what do you see? What do you see with your coworkers and with your community? Um, I think it really... Uh, it depends on what area you want to go in. Do you want to be in entertainment? Do you want to help people? What is your end goal? You know, because I've done entertainment and I've done a lot of different things, but the end goal was to be like, hey, I'm here. Come look at me. Okay, now that you see me, now that I got your attention, this is what I want to talk about. You know, so it really all just depends on what their end goals are. You know, I don't know um, personally what their end goals are. I do know a couple of people who are more interested in helping out the community, but like you said, it is difficult and it is frustrating. You know, I can see why a lot of people don't want to do it. Very and much the so. Support structure isn't there. No the support structure. Yeah, there. absolutely. And it's um, yeah, it's frustrating. So, yeah, I can see how a lot of people are just like, you know what, whatever. I'm just gonna go with what sells, and you know, they give up the fight, and that's what it is. So that's what I see. Booming now? Are there still a lot of people wanting to get involved in media? Are they, is it? Are the younger people lazier? Are they are they more not wanting to go in that route, or mm -hmm. do you feel like it is something that's still? kind of going strong maybe not conventional media just because everything is going digital now so a lot of people are getting their podcasts a lot of people are doing their their blogs so there's definitely a lot of um digital ways that you can get your message out there what is your message um how is it that you want to help people and then everything right now is run with ads if you look at what everything um is based off of remember it's all about money so everything is about ads so if i want to be sponsored on instagram all i have to do is just pose with this t or pose with this bracelet and i'm getting paid by um by said company that makes it and you know that's my content Right. So it really just depends on what it is that you do with your platform. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely 100 um, percent see why most people wouldn't want to get into the community service, because um, let's say you're talking to a room of 100 people. How many people are actually going to do what you want them to do is like 15 people, you know, and it's well, really just helping them. Well, like you say, the ad. So is, is, so the money is kind of dictating the content. Oh, yes. The content's not dictating the money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think people kind of come up in the world and they have their ideas of what they want to talk about and then all of a sudden the money kind of goes and they're like okay mm -hmm. and i was like what are you for pepsi or coke or you know coke or pepsi well coke's paying me so yeah, yeah better. exactly you know so i feel like that's kind of what dictates our our motives is kind of the money which is and something good yeah something that's really interesting and i don't know if you guys saw this in the um when the articles were coming out or was in the announcement where instagram said that it was going to take away the likes from the from the pictures they were going to take the likes away from the picture so let's say i only got 15 likes but then this girl got 150 likes oh no now i feel bad now i feel ugly oh you know people said that it was a mental health issue 100 it is not a health uh it's a mental it's health, a health issue. issue we're not getting enough likes because it, it affects, it affects yeah it affects <laughs> people's self-esteem yeah. yeah that's the that's the uh, reason that um instagram gave but really that's not it everything is run by ads so what it, what benefits more for you to see my ad that people are paying for or to people see or for someone to see, you know, Stacy, your your neighbor's uh, picture of her and her dog like that got 17 likes, you know what I mean? So everything is run by money. So that, yes, the content is run by the money. So the good thing about that is that 
when these um when the younger generation is you know like you know what we're gonna dismantle like f this i don't want to do this anymore i'm gonna make my own i'm gonna do my own podcast i'm gonna have my own um website then that's when you have the liberty to you know what these are my products that i created myself now i'm selling this and that's how they create their income and that's how they create their own channel so that's something that's very interesting that's um something that i'm really excited about because now you have your own panel and now you have your own ideas and now you're going to talk about these things and it's 100 independent and that's how you're making your money that's something that i would invest in that's something that i would be um that that i would find more authentic just more content creators. I'm yes. Actually, uh, I just ordered a book. Haven't read it yet. In full disclosure, called Three Blind uh, Mice. Is it? Yeah, Three Blind Mice. That talked about how the American television networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, didn't see CNN as a challenge. Didn't mm -hmm. see that there was something else out there. But then a new content creator came into town, and now essentially everyone has the power to be this oh, content yes. creator. And, and at the end of the day, should you downplay it? No, because some of these guys have more. Uh, followers than mm -hmm. mainstream broadcast media it's just they say the broadcast industry is dying but i think it, it's just an involving it's shifting it's shifting absolutely and, and it's one of those where they have to capitalize and see the best way to get the news out there in order to be relevant mm -hmm. I, I i mean demands change just like um i'm sure this book will tell me in three blind <laughs> there's not just three networks out there there's yeah. plenty of ways i mean I could be I could be watching a newscast while talking to you guys. Yeah. Although I won't because you're very informative. Guests. <laughs> you know what? And if you're not evolving, you're getting left behind. I mean, yes, if you're not evolving. Is, you're sometimes dying, right? If you're not growing, yeah. you're dying. If you're not growing, you're dying. So you've got to know. And we say that with the labor movement, you've got to find a way to connect your message to what you're trying to bring. And you can't say, "Oh, social media sucks." Okay, you're right, but it's the future. Yeah, we're all stuck with it. So we have to find a way to use it to benefit our message, whether it's getting the Hispanic community more motivated, more mobile to come out and do certain things in the community. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the community in general, us. just, I think, community I mean, I mean, we in the labor movement fight yeah. apathy. Um, you know, I, I'd almost go so far as to say like th this radio show, we have this podcast is a tool of mobilization. There used yeah. to be a time you'd go, you'd shake hands. You still got to do that. That, that fundamentally you can't uh, fax a handshake. You have to meet the members, but at the end of the day, any time we can talk and communicate with people, we have what a thousand labor, friendly uh, listeners right now. <laughs> and again, that's that's mobilization. And it sounds like you've built uh, a little bit of a following yourself. Mm -hmm. you, you had said that people thank you for what you do. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is about you that 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 gets people to say that, that, that draws that kind of complimentary behavior? Mm -hmm. Is it that you're out there being genuinely trying to tell a story or mm -hmm. Or, or, or is it just the community seeing one of their own out there trying to do a service? What do you, what? I think it's just because I've been so transparent. I've been um, any any step of the way, um, whether it be, hey, an audition when I first got into broadcasting school, like I always let people know what it was that I was doing, um, what I had accomplished. And I was just being there's a thing where some people are just ashamed. They are too. Um, they're just shy to say, hey, I got this award, you know, because I don't I don't want people to think that, oh, I'm just showing off. But it's like, no, I want you to see it because, you know, just like how you have a niece that's Hispanic, she speaks English and Spanish. She was born here. Her parents are immigrants, you know, I'm the same thing. I'm the same person, just like how you would have in your, at your dinner table. Right. So I have always shared every step of the way with uh, with my audience. And then luckily, you know, when I started, social media was already out there. So I was already always, you know, having my milestones um, broadcasted. And then also, I just think you can't fake um, being genuine. You can't, the connections that I have with my audience, you can't fake that. People are not dumb. 
people people may not uh, mobilize, people may not stand up, but people are not dumb. I always give people the benefit of the doubt. And I know that people um, can see you, can hear you. They know when you're fake. They know when you are genuine. They know if you really care about the community. And that's what I owe it to. You know, that's not something that can be bought. And it's a beautiful feeling. And then I give thanks every single time whenever someone sends me uh, a message or even when they don't. If I have three days and no one sends me a compliment, it's perfectly fine because I know also that they're Instagram there. Like you. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> um, I think that's that's what to answer your question. Genuity, you know, just being uh, completely genuine, just being honest with the people. I've um, always been honest, always been transparent. And that's what my people like. And that's what I want them to get used to. And that's what I want them to demand from other sources, to demand from other people, to demand from when they go to the store and they're not being treated with the best service. Hey, you are the same as just anybody else that goes in there. You know, you have to stand up for yourself. You have to stand 10 toes down. That's what that's how I am. That's what I demand for myself. And I let you know that. So now you have to do that. So we, we touched base a little bit on that and just to kind of mm -hmm. what you're saying, but, yes. you know, for the union side is that union is that strength a little bit behind Hispanic members and in the Latino Hispanic communities mm -hmm. that were kind of a place for um, kind of a safety net for people that are looking for a better life and they're coming here. They're kind of scared. I think the union is kind of that protection and that safety net. Um, obviously you had kind of had that strength. Who, you know, is there someone that was a mentor or is there someone mm -hmm. that you looked up to that kind of helped kind of get you in that direction to, to have this kind of strength mm -hmm. to, to speak out for your community? Yeah. So to answer your question, not really. Yeah. Um, just because uh, ever since I started, I started when I was like around 14. And then after that, I just started doing my own uh, freelance work. So back since like 2006, up until now, 2019, I basically I've called myself rogue. Like I've just been freelance, just doing a lot of things. I never really had the support of a union. I, I did have a couple mentors throughout um, the years and basically people who have worked within the industry who can give me their guidance, people who are older, who have been doing this for 20, 30 something years. Um, that has been, um, those have been my, my mentors, but as far as like strength and a community behind me, no, no. And you know what? I have to pat myself on the back just because it's like, this is hard. This is really, really hard to be out here by yourself and having to deal with these large corporations and being an honor talent, you know, so many legalities and so many things that you um, deserve because you are the face, because you are an image. There's so many things that you deserve. And, you know, there were a lot of times where I left a lot of opportunities on the table, but because I didn't know, because I, you know, I didn't know how to defend myself. I didn't have a union behind me. So, no, other than mentors, that's all I had. That's what I'd like to. Oh, no, I, no go ahead. You, you just got me thinking about something. I'll tell you my story as a first generation um, Indian American. Coming up in journalism, it, it just wasn't a thing. In our community, it was always like, you have to do this job, engineer. There were certain expectations. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, you know what? That's not what I was meant for. Yeah. If I was a doctor, it'd be a disservice to me and whoever I'm trying to yeah. treat uh, who might not last very long. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I, I'm just curious. Uh, in the Hispanic community, mm -hmm. in the Mexican community, how are journalists viewed? I, is it a prestigious job? Mm -hmm. Is it a job that they they tend to be shy away from? Mm -hmm. Like. What is it like? Is or is there not a one size fit yeah. all like there was in in our in my community? Yeah, up? there's definitely not a one size fits all. It's but um, I see that they are just excited. It's it's not something that a lot of people do. Um, I think they just are. They're happy that someone is out there. Someone is out there representing them, and they're a lot more people view you. A lot more people follow you than you think. 
you have a lot more ghost followers and, you know, not just online, but I'm just not saying in like in general in your life that want to know everything that you're doing, what she said, what she did, what she didn't do. Hey, that's my girl. Oh yeah. You know what? She's from the same town that I'm from. And did you know that her family's uh, from that little town up in the mountains? Yeah. That, yeah. We, we're right next door. You know, um, again, very community-based, very, um, family oriented, very little towns, you know, um, emotional connection. That's, what uh what i get like oh hey yesenia you know what your your family's from durango so is my family from durango so i feel like you know what we're, we're together you know and then they see me on air they follow everything that i do and i know they they see that connection so it's more like hey you're the one person that made it out there wow because i do notice that working in television myself that it seems like in the hispanic market mm -hmm. there's more recognition like like people are loyal to the yes. media outlets they watch uh-huh it seems more in that community than than otherwise although i could be mistaken but from what you said it sounds like th there is that uh level of connection with mm -hmm. the viewers a level a deeper level of uh, yes. understanding yeah for sure because i know every time i go to my uncle's house they always have the same channel they're always watching the same person oh hey jackie um guerrero is going to come on right now at five o'clock and they always watch her they've been watching her for years and it's the same person oh you know what she doesn't work there no more now she's working over here they know exactly where she was so they'll follow them they will follow them and then i have people that have been following me since um since like 2006 when i was um doing freelance writing for for artists here in chicago for independent artists they're still my friends today i have people that have known me when i in 2011 when i started at wley they still listen to me today when i went to am stations usually people they're like oh i don't listen to am i don't even get the signal they listen to me on there now they follow everything that i that i do so yeah so that's another one of the reasons why i do the work that i do because these people are loyal they're loyal because they like you because they they buy the person and you know if they really like you they like you and that's it they stick with you so i like this quote i like this just to kind of spin off this yeah right now. so that's kind of goes back to how important that content is right? mm -hmm. because people are loyal the hispanic community and you know the you know the white american community yeah. they're loyal too so so how important is it to have good content? Yeah. I mean, you look at Fox News, right? Mm -hmm. You look at what they go on and on and on and talk about, and their base is white, you know, the white American who's probably 50 and older. So how important is that good content? Because it really does make a difference and an yeah. impact. Yeah, I definitely do feel a big sense of responsibility, and I definitely do get constant panic attacks. It's just like, is this something that I really want to spend um, you know, a status on, is this something that I really want to spend this next 20 second break on? Because I can either, um, inform them, I can entertain them. I can say something stupid. I can completely mess this up. So that's just something that I'm always constantly thinking about at every single moment. It's like, how am I using up this time? You know, if this was the last thing that I can do, how can I use this time? Um, just because I know that people are watching me just because I know that, um, just because five people give me feedback doesn't mean that, you know, thousands of others didn't see it. Thousands of others, um, weren't touched by it. So I do, I personally do see a big responsibility just because I know that if I see someone else who has a large platform and this is what they're doing with it, it's like, you can be doing so much and I feel like you're doing a disservice. Are you here for yourself? Are you here for other people? Yeah. So the beauty of, you know, like we say, free speech yes. and media, which is so powerful and we, we, you know, honor it also is the same media that gives us Rush Limbaugh and gives us Sean Hannity mm -hmm. and gives us these voices of, Again, it doesn't need to really be facts. It just needs to be spewed. It, it needs to be breaking news. It needs to be constant. Um, so just well, to spin off. Well, I, I just got to say, I think that that's <laughs> one of the benefits of our society is that you can get out of these echo chambers yeah. and listen to these other sides. Yeah. And generally speaking, it, it sounded to me, at least tell me if I'm wrong, that, that 
you were like-minded and that it's good to have those voices out there and at least have the options to listen rather than being told what not to listen to the censorship. Yeah. I think that might be the journalist in you, right? Mm -hmm. just, just, yeah. Because philosophically with the whole fake news thing, people ask me all the time, well, do you think there should be some sort of maybe not censorship, but some sort of rules against this? Absolutely not. Because just as much as it is any of our right to say mm -hmm. the facts, it is so, someone else's rights to say what they want, but hopefully people don't just believe what they read believe and they do their own, yeah, their own investigation. Because it can be dangerous. Oh, absolutely. Oh, definitely. Especially when you have 10 million, you know, viewers or constant followers. Where If you're just saying, I mean, opinion is great, but when you're using that opinion, like well, I could say my opinion, this is what I think. But when you're having a, a you know, spotlight to say, okay, this is it, this is it. What I'm saying is the facts that now you can be dangerous if you're saying that's irresponsible. Yeah, irresponsible. Mm -hmm. You're irresponsible because they don't care. They care about the viewers. They care about the viewers. They care, they care about, about pounding mm -hmm. their base and getting that narrative. Doesn't matter if it's true, false, right, wrong. That's where again they're driven by money. Mm -hmm. You know, so it goes back to the same thing where it's like, yeah, isn't just irresponsibility. You're you're a slave to the money and not the real facts. Yeah. So that's why some um, what I do is let's say it, whether it be left or whether it be right or whether it be someone that, you know, completely off the radar, if they have some sort of platform, they want to give out information. You know, I like to see what the other person is doing. I like to see what the contender is doing. I like to see what this little person over here that has um, maybe a hundred followers, but they're, they're loyal. And then they talk about great things. I like to um, see what this writer is talking about from this newspaper, you know, from all different angles and put the stories together. You know, I know a lot, not a lot of people are interested in doing all of that work, but you know, you really do have to take everything with a grain of salt as someone that works in the media. I'm telling you, take everything with a grain of salt, do your own investigation. If it doesn't sound right, if something doesn't sit well with you, if it's in your gut, it's like, you know what, I think there's more there. I think there's something else that that's missing. You know, chances are there is. Yeah. We just got a viewer question. Yeah. Do you think the issue of the older generation and the lack of knowledge and fear that the government puts into the generation is a major problem in understanding our rights? and how to maneuver this day and age. 100%, because like how we were talking about, there's so many levels to it, there's so many layers, we're talking about um, cancel culture and fear, and we forget that we're humans, we forget that we have human rights, we forget that there's the, what is it, the Equal Opportunity Employer, we forget that there's so many agencies out there, so many resources out there available to us, because we're afraid. And why do you think people want to instill fear in you? So you forget that you have all of these avenues, right? So, I mean, it really just depends. It starts with the person. It really starts with you. And I really, um, yes, I am responsible with the information that I put out there, but at the same time, I can only do so much. I'm only one person, you know, stop. Um, as far as like something that I can tell the consumer, something that I can tell the listeners is, Stop putting all of your faith in one person. Stop relying on Oprah to, you know, fix your whole life. It's like, no, it's like. You mean a, a multimillionaire is going to save <laughs> me or help me? <laughs> yeah, you know, you really got to go out and do the legwork yourself. You know, we can only do so much. Just, um, I appreciate, you know, the trust that you have in me. Thank you. But, you know, it's your turn to do the legwork, you know. Well, I think to answer this guy, to kind of elaborate on this question too, even more is again, going back to Fox news, their listeners are probably 50 and up. Mm -hmm. So that is the older generation, you know, and they are really pounding on fear because mm -hmm. fear is more fear sells, right? Fear sells yeah. more than love. Negativity sells more than positivity, you know, like breaking news, like this just in, mm -hmm. I mean, these are all big things that sell to the, to the average media person. When Those you see keyboards, breaking news, yeah. you know, like that's it. And you've got to tune into that. 
And also remember people are emotional. So yeah. fear, when you want to instill fear in someone, that's going to cause a reaction. Once you have someone that is more level-headed and more calm, they're going to respond. And those are two completely different actions that people are going to do. Reacting and responding are two completely different things. And people probably react more yes. to fear. Mm -hmm. Fear gets people more, you know, fear gets people to vote. Fear gets sense of urgency. Sense of urgency, exactly. So that's where it's such a, I think they're driving home. And I, and I think what this guy was asking maybe about is, you know, the Hispanic community. Mm -hmm. Do they, you know, is the fear what driving people into not understanding their their way of thinking? Mm -hmm. Because the media has such a narrative of, you know, build the wall and, you know, Hispanics are coming to steal your jobs and they're going to destroy the country. I mean, is this constant well, fear? Well, in fairness, I don't think every media outlet no, says saying, stuff like that. But, but it is out there. That's a narrative. It's, it's, a, it's a narrative yeah. for, for sure. Yeah. So but my, my only say, like what I'm saying on that mm -hmm. is, is that narrative, is that what's kind of maybe holding back people moving forward to say, oh, hey, Hispanics aren't going to steal my jobs and they're not here to raid our country. I mean, mm -hmm. there was a, when they were crossing the border, they were saying it's an infestation. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I I, I, know. I I do have a maybe a question about the narrative. There's that word synergy and more and more media companies are talking about mm -hmm. it. But if there's a Hispanic market dealing with the Hispanic population and then you have mainstream media dealing with uh, English speakers, should there be more collaboration in terms of getting the message from both communities out there in the open for a broader public discourse and dialogue? Yeah, 100%. Because like I like I was talking about earlier, you know, depending on what um, Nielsen's rating said, you know, whether... Even if English may not be your parents' first language, they are tuning into English uh, media outlets, whether it be radio, whether it be television. So, yes, you definitely should have that fusion because, you know, we should definitely bounce off of the different uh, resources that we have available. And Hispanics are buying. Hispanics are watching. There's big, a lot of... Um, Hispanic, um, you know, a family is large, right? So you want to get to that family because you're going to get eight people to tune in at one time. So it definitely should be. Yeah. And I definitely do see that for the future. Definitely into 2020, there's going to be a lot of more um, bilingual outlets because again, it, it, it's, it's going to work for the uh, media outlets because you're going to get people to tune in. You're going to get higher ratings and yeah, definitely use that platform to, have more of a community service, um, segments on there. Will there be, we don't know. I guess it just it depends on if they <laughs> stay true to their community values or to the dollars in yeah. terms of who the service really goes to. I mean, is that a prospect you're excited about? I know in the world of television, uh, there's a lot of exploration of synergy. Is that something that hits radio uh, as well? Um, what does management talk about when it, when they talk about that? Is there that type of synergy? Yeah, definitely the with the uh, bilingual aspect. Is definitely with um, fusing of the uh, the cultures. Is it? Are you more regional Mexican? Or are you more listening to um, the pop and the and the reggaeton? Are you listening to that? And how are you going to work that? How are you going to um, come make that come together? And how are you going to get the person that listens to both of those things to listen to this one thing? And how can you maximize on that? And how can you capitalize on that? One hundred percent. That is one hundred percent what is going on with the uh, entertainment aspect. Now, when you're talking about a news aspect, I can definitely tell you that it's like, hey, we have this community um, information, this segment, but you know what? You got to wait until the end, you know, until like 10.55. You know, the show ends at 10.58. Yeah. You know, so you got to sit there, you got to watch everything else, and then you got this little tidbit at the end. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Well, and also just for our viewers to know, we are going to go past the hour mark. This is a little bit different. I, you um, know what? It's a podcast. So why not? Unless uh, you've got somewhere else yeah, to go, well, yeah. maybe we should ask the guest. Yeah. But, okay. but I, I should also mention, I'd like to thank uh, Cesar Rodriguez, who's supposed to join us as well. But um, as they always say, with late breaking news, he was sent on a breaking news story where a little bit of a distance away from the city of Chicago. So he tried to make it out, just couldn't make it in a timely manner. We do thank you for um, for for wanting to come and join us. This dialogue would have been great with all of us, but I mean, more time to talk to you, which has been absolutely <laughs> yeah. invigorating. And if anyone has any questions, keep sending them our way. We'll yeah. definitely answer them. But um, yeah, no, absolutely. Any more questions? It's, yeah. So. Um, but no, the one thing I want to talk about too well, is I've actually I'd like to ask you: Is there, is there anything you'd like to to say? Yeah. And at the risk of making this show sound too NPRs, uh -huh. because I do love talking about the news industry mm -hmm. and the difference in the community we serve. You said you do some other things, which hey, look at me here, and then I'll get. You. What other things do you do? I I know for a fact that yeah. you've also you've done some acting as mm -hmm. well. One of my good friends who was a, a guest, what was it? Uh, two weeks two ago. Weeks ago You've starred in his zombie film as well. Yeah, his so. zombie film where we're talking about the zombie apocalypse too it's, coming it's, soon. So, so you're multifaceted. <laughs> Correct. I, so tell, tell me yeah. about some of the other stuff you do. Yeah, so that was um, anything that I, uh, other that I've done be, as far as like besides journalism, it's always been in an effort to reinvent myself because now with the digital age where how we're talking about everything moves fast, you know, you really have to do something else besides just um, just broadcast, besides just radio, besides just television. Um, so I've gotten into modeling. I've done acting i've been able to have opportunities as far as being in uh commercials which aired on telemundo then after that it aired on unimas which is um univision um channel um i have been able to do uh, stuff like that and then with my uh, talent manager uh sean mcgregory he helped me out he got me on the steve harvey show a couple years You've ago been on steve harvey. yeah that was really fun yeah so doing stuff like that and then a lot of modeling modeling has been uh really good to me uh print modeling um for um uh let me see. So it was an independent. For, so this is funny. So her and I did runway shows. And then after that, she came out with her own boutique. And then she hired me to be um, her first um, or the only plus size model that she has on her website for for that clothes, for that line of clothes. So that was really nice because it was coming full circle. And that, that's the kind of things that I like to see, you know, people coming full circle and people starting their own um, brands well, on their own businesses. Yeah. So that's um, we actually have the same name. Her name is Yesenia Herrera and it's for her boutique. So that was really nice. And then I also model for. Um, Colombian jeans. And so I'm, I really, I am connected to the uh, Colombian community. I really like them. They're really nice to me. <laughs> so, so, so when we talk about life, love and the grind, uh -huh. it really is about the grind. Like you said that you haven't had that traditional nine to five. You've kind yeah. of hustled your way into yes. different freelance opportunities. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you've done quite a bit. What have you found to be the most enjoyable or is it just differently invigorating? Like this yeah. is cool here. I can serve here, but this is fun for me mm -hmm. or yeah, everything is fun. Everything that I mentioned is fun. But honestly, my first love is radio. I just really like um, that I can just you don't care about. Well, now people do want to see you, but let's just pretend like they I'm just in the in the studio. You can't see me. You don't care about the clothes that I'm wearing. You I just based off of pure talent, based off of my voice and what it is that I'm going to talk about, because that's all that I have to offer. Right. Yeah, sure. The music plays in the background, but then you're going to wait for me to come and say something. And I got 15 seconds to enlighten you, to inform you, to entertain you, to give you some tickets. What is it? And it's like a challenge for me. Right. But it's also it's a very intimate thing because you're riding in the car and then here I come on. And 
and it's just me and you, you know, so I have those 15 seconds to, to touch you in some way. And that's what I really like. And I like that over, over the years, I've uh, made really great uh, connections with my listeners and it's just been based off of radio. Well, I just can't stop thinking how great that is for you to be on Steve Harvey and how, <laughs> and how to be on Life, Love, and the Grind. You know? <laughs> Moving on up. Moving up in the world. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, we must have the same booking game. No, that's incredible. But that's what we really like to shine a light on is the grind and, you know, kind of what gets – people active. And so what, what's kind of the future all for you? What are your, some of your passion projects that mm-hmm. see you moving forward in? Yeah. So I definitely do want to continue building with the community. I definitely still want to get that information out there as far as resources available and not just resources, but also wellness. I'm very big into wellness and health. I'm very big into holistic health. So I know a lot about it. And I've been studying a lot of medicinal um, herbal remedies. I'm very big into not just Hispanic and not just African-American, right? So it's very much into old school. Like I know about medicine that the Aztecs used to use because they didn't have conventional doctors and they couldn't go to a hospital because they didn't exist. But this is how they cure themselves from a lot of the ailments that we still have today. So those are the things that I study. And I definitely do want to get the word out more on that just because something that I've been seeing, uh, reading about and you know, something that you've seen as well is just with the big pharma, you know, a lot of uh, scandals with big pharma and a lot of with the um, the uh, people being addicted to to all these drugs and the drugs causing more ailments. And it's like, well, what is it going to be like? How is it that we are so technologically advanced? And I say that in quotes, but we still have all of these illnesses. So that's something that um, I'm really uh, passionate about. I want people to be um more careful with their bodies. And that's something that I like to talk about, share about. So I definitely do have another project that I have coming up in 2020 that I don't really want to, um, I don't want to get too much into details, but it definitely will be on television. And I definitely still want to continue with um, radio. And I love, I love modeling. It's just fun for me. I like that. And girls who look like me can identify with me. And it's fun. It's fun. It's exciting. It's nice being a girl. And then people think that, oh, well, she's a journalist. She has to act this way. She has to wear this kind of, she can't talk like that. And I really uh, never cared about that. And I said, no, I can be a lot of things. You know, I'm not just, oh, this is one side and this is the other side. Absolutely not. I am multifaceted and I can do so many things. And you still have to respect me, whether yesterday I was wearing, you know, a pink dress with cutouts for this um, modeling gig. And then today I'm talking about labor and the markets and the trends. I'm still the same person. You know, I can be an intellectual and I can dress up like a Barbie the next day, you know? Um, And that's something that I want people to see as well. Like you can be a lot of things. I think sometimes people shy away from certain aspects of themselves because they don't want to be bullied because they want to feel like, oh, you know what? People are not going to receive that the right way. So what? You should put people in boxes I mean, 100% people people are the product of all of their experiences yes. and not one thing defines people I think I think we found that out too we've I personally I can say I've been told sometimes hey maybe you should uh fall back into line maybe you shouldn't step up or or say this but it's more fun just to fall yeah. out of line sometimes and find a new way yeah. and sometimes it's productive right to, to find another way and all of a sudden um hey, maybe this way worked a little better why didn't we think about this before but I love the fact that you're out there and I'm sure you're motivating and inspiring people. Like you said, there weren't maybe models out there that look like you. You were the first for this contour mm-hmm. line. Now there'll be others. You said that there might not have been 
maybe you'll be a mentor for someone else. Have you already mm -hmm. had people approach you saying, hey, you know, I respect what you do. I, I know you said that from people older. Have, have you had anyone younger saying, I mm -hmm. want to be just like Oh, you? yeah. Yeah. I remember this one girl. Um, she still follows me today. So she uh, reached out to me and she wanted to attend the same um, school that I had gone to. And I told her, she said, you know what, can you tell me your experience? And I told her, I said, you know what, a school is only a school only provides the resources. You have to do the work. And this is what my experience was. And I told her exactly what it was. And I was 100% honest. I was like, it's not going to work if you don't work. So uh, fast forward, she ended up getting a job in radio. Um, I think it was in Indiana. And then she's actually a signed model now. So I really like that. That's really nice how you are able to uh, diversify yourself, you know, because I see a lot of my peers who perhaps came up um, years ago, you know, they only depend on one thing. And it's like, hey, you know, you're frustrating me, because you're not doing a lot of things. And I know you can, you are able to do so many other things. And it's like, you're holding that spot. And we can do so much like we can, it's not just a, a disservice to yourself. It's like, we together, if you were to open your mind a little bit more, if you were to reinvent yourself, we can serve the, the people a lot better. I think if people put themselves out there more, really follow their passion, like we always talk about too, and, and don't get, don't let the haters kind of dictate mm -hmm. what you're going to do. You know, don't be afraid to be criticized. You know, we've always talked about that with the union world. People are like, well, stay in a certain lane. But if you put yourself out there and you really aren't afraid to kind of just be your own self and, mm -hmm. you know, if you, like we always say, like, if you don't want to be criticized, mm -hmm. say nothing, do nothing and be nothing. You know, just go out there and, you know, put yourself out there. At least you're it. true to yourself. Right? Yes, 100%. Because it's going to work out that way. If you if you stick to what you believe and you have sight on it, it's going to work out. And mm -hmm. I give you kudos for that. Because I know that's kind of a driving force with this life, love, and the grind is that, you know what, we have a, a story to tell. We want to highlight stories of the great people in the community. And we don't really give a shit what people think. No, and we can, can say, say that. that. Not on the <laughs> We really appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming and sharing your story with us and our viewers and tell them where they might be able to follow you more. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, I, we didn't even touch on this. Uh, you got a nickname in what you do, don't you? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So people call me Betty Boop and I was telling uh, your wife slash producer slash the oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like so how did you get your name betty boop why do they call you that and honestly it was a name that my family had been calling me ever since i was little i ever since i could remember i would always get gifts from betty boop i was just just always um just attracted to the to the cartoon and her and i were talking about it. it's like and then i'm a big believer on this i'm very spiritual so it's like if you are geared towards something something just keeps following you around in your life you know it's a sign for something that's not there's absolutely um there's no coincidence and I learned as I got older that Betty Boo was really a girl. It was uh, a woman that regardless of how she dressed, her dress in a um, little red dress and heels and super cute and super sexy, but she stood up for a lot of things. She stood up for a lot of very dark um, things that were going on. And that was something that I always um, liked. I just always grew up with the car with the cartoon, right? And in 2011, when I got the job, I was first working as an intern. Then after that, as a morning show producer and then um, on uh, personality on air at WLEY. They're like, all right, so now that you're hired, what's your nickname going to be? And I'm like, I don't want a nickname. I just want people to recognize me for me. They're like, no, you need a nickname. And I'm like, well... Okay. And they're like, what do you like? I'm like, Betty Boop. They're like, all right, well, Betty Boop it is. But I was already in school. I was already in media school. And then everyone knew me as Betty Boop. I would always walk in with my Betty Boop bags and my um, wallets and all the, it, it would just be Betty Boop all over the place. <laughs> and Betty Boop to this day. Is that and so it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, 
any any place that people can follow you or oh, okay. upcoming pro uh, mm -hmm. projects that you're doing? Yeah, so I'm very cool. active on uh, social media. Um, honestly, it's a love-hate relationship. Sometimes it definitely uh, can be too much, but that's where it is, and that's where people um, like me and follow me. I'm just... Even though that's where work is, that's not where I live. You know what I mean? Like, out if social media, if the internet were to break down um, tomorrow, I'm still gonna be able to live off of myself. You know, that's something that I also want people to, especially journalists, to to understand. Like, you can't have it. We can't have a blackout. Like, we can. We've had blackouts before. We it will happen again. I start getting ticks. Like, whenever Facebook goes <laughs> down, it's just it's yeah. Okay. I'm just like, all right. Well, I guess I'll uh, go live my life. I guess I'll I don't know, like <laughs> start a fire. I don't know. So um, on Instagram, it's at Yesi on air. Y e s i o n a i r. Same thing on Twitter. Facebook um, is Yesenia Betty Boop. Alvarez that's where you can find me um, I'm very active I like talking to the people I like um, just seeing what people are interested in and yeah I try my best to answer all of the uh, messages one of the uh, resolutions that I have is to be more active on there you know my um, following has been growing and it's not just so much about numbers it's more about engagement and I really do want to engage with the individual and get to know what it is that affects them where they live what are they doing you know hey here's some information and when I send a message and I say hey happy new year I really wish you the best I really do it's not fake it's not copy and paste it's the i really want you to have um a great time i really wish you the best and i because you know we are the same you know if i just like how i stick my neck out there i want you to stick your neck out there because i'm sure that there are issues that pertain to you that maybe not pertain to me but they pertain to a lot of people like you well said very well said well i um I think that this has been, at least in my opinion, <laughs> one of the most engaging discussions I've had. So I can see how you reach all these people. Mm -hmm. um, not taking anything away from any of the guests that we have on <laughs> like, Love in the Grind, one o'clock Saturdays, but uh, it is truly um, a blessing to have someone who knows how to communicate and, and from whom, uh, you know, we, we can share the message. And thank you for coming. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Yeah, thank you for coming and uh, keep doing what you're doing with the Hispanic thank you. community. And uh, just for everyone listening, for everyone that, you know, the Hispanic community always has a home within the unions. We hope to get more people into the unions and uh, hopefully the Hispanic community will grow and, and keep doing doing what they do, which is dialing in to life, love, and the grind. And dialing in. <laughs> so we will be uh, back in 2020. That's right. I hope everyone has a good year and this, uh, this year and decade, huh? Yeah. So thanks for. Thanks thank for you guys. I had a great time. Thank you so much for the yeah. platform. Thank you. All right.